0: Amen. I think it'd be a good time to pray after that song. Father, we are grateful for your unending love. Your grace is amazing. When we really reflect on your heart, our hearts are filled with joy. When we really see you for who you really are, it's so hard for us to live in a state of shame. But God, it is hard for us sometimes too when we're honest. We don't get the messages in this world of how great you are. And Father, I hope that when we come together in mornings like this, when we come in settings like this, and when we're also when we're at our homes or when our Bibles are open or when we're on our knees, I do pray that we get the correct view of who you are. And I believe when we do that, your grace is so amazing and we live in such a way that it's amazing. And I just pray that this morning we can Ask ourselves maybe some hard questions and, God, reveal what's in our hearts. Father, help us get rid of the things that are not true about who you are. Help us to get rid of the images that are quite honestly and quite frankly lies about who you are. And help us to embrace your grace and understand it, not just intellectually, but emotionally. Father, help us. We need you. We want to. We want to live in your amazing grace, and uh, help us in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So we are continuing our series on uh, on God's grace, and, uh, and last week we had Sean Wooten in town from uh, just around the corner from the Ukraine, and uh, we're grateful to have him here, and he talked about how, how grace can lead us to salvation and and provide transformation in our lives, which I know we all want. And uh, interestingly, in the last couple of weeks, I've been involved in a few discussions. Uh, I would call them maybe group discussions of various sizes and the topic of grace, where we literally just ask each other questions and try to get feedback of what's your understanding of grace or what do you feel like people need to learn about grace, just things like that. And uh, I I found it very, very interesting, and and the message today is really going to be based on a lot of the findings uh, that I've had from those discussions uh, with many of you. And uh, what I've found is that we can understand grace, the definition of it, that it's uh, God's favor, acceptance, uh, that we can't earn, we, we can't merit it. It's not based on us. It's based on really his heart. And ultimately, in what Jesus has done, we can see his grace. I think we can define it. But if I were to say something, I do believe that many of us feel, and I think the word is estranged from God's grace. What do I mean by that? That word really means that at one point there was a closeness, but right now there's an alienation or a separation. And I think many people feel that. They get get it. They can define it. You can define grace. But sometimes you just, in your daily life, you just feel kind of disconnected from it. And in the reality of our day-to-day, we feel as though we are constantly in this state of honestly figuring out how to please God because we don't please him and we're messed up. And we got to get back on his good graces because we messed up earlier in the day, and now we got to do something good so we can get back on his good graces. And, and some of us feel like we're in that pattern and, don't, and honestly don't know how to get out of it. And, uh, and so I think today we're just going to maybe focus on some questions uh, that can kind of maybe get our hearts thinking about God's uh, grace and, and why we feel that way uh, when God is so amazing and wants—do you think God really wants us— thinking throughout the day, am I pleasing God enough to where he'll love me today? You know, in in, in this moment right now, I know I just yelled at somebody that I shouldn't have done. So now am am I like, am am I out of the state of grace with God? What do I need to do to get back in? I mean, do you really think God wants us daily to be in and out of that whole place? I really don't think we we want that. We don't want that, but we find ourselves there. And ultimately, the question, one of the questions is, what is your view of God? (laughs) If you were to just, have a picture in your mind of of God now after singing amazing grace and those that wait on the Lord and you're here and you've been hugged by like 13 people and you're just love it's Sunday morning I mean right now your view of God is usually pretty good you know it's pretty good right but what about Thursday at three o'clock okay how are you feeling about God right is that that, what what view do you have of God and and I got to be real I think many of us have real healthy views of God. But I think when it comes to maybe the, on the unhealthy side, I think sometimes the views of God that we have, quite honestly, are like, he's angry with me. You know? And maybe you think that's too extreme. Okay, so maybe that's too extreme. But I think for some of us, that's really where we are. Maybe yours is just, he's just disappointed. This is the view you have of God. He's just, flat, just giving you the thumbs down. Like, you don't measure up. You, you're just not getting it done. This is my standard of what it means to be a disciple, and you're like down here. So, that's, that, and that's many, how many of us kind of, our view of God, whether we can articulate it or not, I think some of us live in this place a little too much. So, who in the world wants to draw near to a God who's constantly doing like this, or like this, you know? I mean, who, who really would want to draw near to that picture of God? Uh, but quite honestly, I think some of us have that deep in us and feel a little bit stuck there. And, uh, and so we're just going to, in our next 20 minutes, we're just going to tidy all that up, and you're just going to leave here perfectly functional with God. Okay? It's just, right? I mean, that's how we do it at North River. One sermon, baby, we got it done. You know, you just get out in the parking lot, I'm all fixed, right? Yeah, well, it might not happen for you. And I'm convinced that sermons aren't the only thing that's going to do it, right? And so, uh, so just trying to think a little differently, there's, there's a brother that I appreciate, respect, and, uh, many, and many of you do as well. He's, his family, they've been here for 13 years in, in Georgia and in the North River Church. And, and, uh, and I know he's been going through kind of, a, kind of a spiritual awakening, really around a lot of what we're talking about right now. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to let this brother share. Because I think it's good to hear from each other. Not just hear the preacher preach, right? But just to kind of hear a view from the pew, so to speak. What's really going on? You know what I mean? And so I'll, I'm, I'm inviting uh, Matt Angevel to come up and share from his heart kind of his journey of trying to really understand God in a different way. And uh, I hope you can give your heart and really uh, listen to what uh, Matt's got to share with us this morning. Thank you.
1: morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> there were two major events in the last year that caused me to re-examine my view of God. Um, what is God like to me? And the first one was it, it came to the front with, with my family about my anger and uh, how my anger had affected my family. Um, You know, I became a disciple, and for the longest time, it wasn't an issue. And then all of a sudden, as I started growing closer to my girlfriend then, and then to my wife and to my kids, the anger came back up. And um, what I realized was that I was managing my anger, not being transformed by it. And that was a huge awakening for me. And second thing that happened was um, in May of last year, I left my job and then started this this journey of looking for a job. And and there's a lot that happens through it. And you know when you're looking for a job and all the challenges that go with it. And that was the beginning of me really looking and saying, what is God like for me? And uh, I started doing a course called uh, Spiritual Discovery and uh, highly recommend it. You have to do it with someone who's been through it. Uh, but I started dealing with some hurts from my past. And um, also started reading a book called The Return of the Prodigal, which was uh, about uh, the prodigal son. And it, it, you know, I have read the prodigal son story a million times, but some of the insights that I got from this book were amazing. And still think about the time when I'll try not to get emotional about it. Um, Think about the time when the son came home and said, Father, I've sinned against you and heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please consider me as a hired hand. What was the father's response? Son, we got to sit down and talk about this. Son, I forgive you. Son, we need to have a time of reconciliation. None of it. He went up and hugged him. He went up and talked. You know, he was just so overjoyed. He was ready to throw up a celebration. That is our Father in heaven. That is who he is. He is not about sitting there and wanting to be reconciled. He is already reconciled with us. And it just hit me when I read that, how different my view of God was. And the second one, and this really made me cry when I read the book was about the older son. We know that the father got up and went to meet the younger son. Do you know the father got up to go and meet the older son too? He was in his party, he was celebrating the return and he found out the son was, was, was outside fuming. He got up and he said, he went to meet him where he was, in his anger, in all the things he just ranted and raved at him. And he said, son, everything I have is yours. Wow. That really changed my, some of the, started the process of my misconceptions. So just as Jeff shared, I realized I had some misconceptions about God. You know, I, I knew God loved me intensely, but I also felt God was disappointed with me. And, you know, at different times, I remember thinking, wow, God is really disappointed with me. And I read this other book, and it, it, it says that transformation occurs when we bring all parts of, of ourselves into the banquet of love provided by our divine host. Our fearful, angry, and wooden parts of parts of self, wounded parts of self can never be healed unless you're exposed to divine love. That's why we must meet God's love in our vulnerability and brokenness, not simply in our strength and togetherness. You know, I pretty much had a good understanding of God's character. but So I spent time in prayer, reading scriptures, and really coming to terms with understanding who God was. I came to the realization that God was not disappointed with me. And that was it lifted, a huge weight lifted off my head as soon as I came to the realization that God was not disappointed with me. I felt so much free. I felt so much, you know, it was, it was just a radical change in how I viewed God. You know, I just felt so much closer. I felt so tied in. And guys, we, sometimes we can grow up with this thinking of being disappointed. We we can think about, oh, that's how we are to our kids. But we don't understand God's love. We are We are nowhere, as a parent, we are nowhere close to anything like God the Father. He is so, so different in how he loves us. You know, and... So I, because of that understanding of how he is not disappointed with me, I was able to be transformed in my, in my anger. I was no more managing anger. I was really transformed in overcoming anger in my life after all these years. You know, and uh, again, this is, a, this is a, a, quote, a quote from this book, Surrender to Love, um, the, the quote I gave earlier, and it just really helped me to understand who God is. It, it Surrender to love is saying it's easier to surrender when you know there's love waiting for you at the other end. And it just made us, and I also, I wanted to share about, I cannot thank enough the, the men in my life who really helped me through this journey. You know, Sherwin, Jim Long, and uh, Greg Dillon, uh, Mark Beeman, and Steve Brand, the brothers who been with me, and you know the Meredith Shep, uh, Community Shepherds, Meredith Squ- uh, Community Shepherds got together. We had a great time just going through a series called "The Foundations of Christian Spirituality." You know, when it came to my job, I used to feel that God was kicking me to the curb. Every time I heard a no, I stopped feeling that way. After that, no more. I felt like God was, was uh, rooting for me and He was going to take care of me. All that mattered was I stay and let abandon that outcome to God and I stay where I am. It made a huge difference. And speaking of jobs and taking care of outcomes, I did land a job finally. I started, I started last week, but the job is in Colorado. And uh, we are moving to Colorado in June, Um, and uh, you know we are we are getting ready for the next uh, adventure that God has in store for us. But I want to close out with one scripture. It's from it's it's really about understanding God's love, and it's from Ephesians three, the latter part of verse 17. It says, "And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Thank you guys. God bless.
0: I'm so disappointed in you for leaving and going to Colorado. <laughs> oh, that's, that's going to be hard to, to, to lose the Angelville family. I mean, we love Matt, but Sandy, I mean, my goodness, she's just good people. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> no, but, th- you know, thanks for sharing, Matt. You know, appreciate it. I know you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years, 33 years, so, um, and just, it's cool to see somebody 33 years in still growing. <laughs> And, and, and still uh, still, still grasping, God, show me something, right? Teach me. I'm still willing to learn, right? I don't have it all figured out, right? And so thanks for just being willing to say, hey, this is where I've struggled with, but this is where I'm, I'm headed, and this is where I think God has me. I, I think that's encouraging to hear. You know, who wants to go through life feeling like God's continually disappointed in them? That's just not the way God wants us to go through life, and, and um, so even just studying a uh, studying grace more and more I just went back to the basics I said you know I'm just going back to the basics I'm gonna act like I don't know anything and I just pulled out some of my old my old materials you know what I'm saying I got my old lexicon out you know what I mean my Greek English lexicon, and that's the actual version that I have. It's old, man. Um, and but when you think about this concept of, of grace, you know, and it, it talks, it, the concept is joy and rejoicing. That's kind of really the the root of even the concept of grace. You know, it's really that which brings about pleasure and delight. And uh, and and in the Bible, there are concepts like goodwill and loving kindness uh, that are in the in the Bible that that get at this concept of. Of grace. And, and you remember there, this moment in the book of Ruth? Anyone ever read the book of Ruth? <laughs> oh, wow, it's, you're familiar with it. But just this concept of kindness, especially, and this is in the, in the lexicon, especially from a, a master to a servant. But remember that moment in the book of Ruth. Remember when Ruth was just like, Boaz is taking care of her. Hey, hang out with my servants, they'll give you everything you need. And Ruth's just like, why? Would, how, you know, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? I'm just a servant, right? And then later on, Boaz, you know, and she, Boaz keeps talking to her like, hey, you're, you're under the wings of God, right? And then she's like, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord? You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. She knows who she is. Though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. I mean, just... That to me is a beautiful picture of who we really should feel like we 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 don't deserve this, but there's somebody just pouring kindness and favor, and we've got nothing to bring to the table. I mean, Ruth was just a total burden at this moment to Boaz, taking his resources, he could have used the stuff she was taking to give somewhere else, he could have made money on it. I mean, in Ruth's eyes, she could have just felt like a burden, a foreign woman burden, but Boaz is kindness, favor, goodwill. She doesn't deserve it. She can't earn it. We just spent time reading about that in the book of Ruth. That's the heart of God. That's why it's in the scripture. Guys, this isn't a story some dude or some woman just wrote. This is is God. This is God working in the world. This is how he is. This is who he is. And this is what it looks like when people try to be like him. Like a Boaz is, is really imitating the heart of God when he does this. And this is the type of interaction that hopefully can have more of, we can have more of in this world when we aspire to be like God. So this definition of, 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 of grace is really helpful to me. Uh, and in, in the New Testament, it talks about, uh, they use the word, this word charis, uh, preeminently of that kindness by which God bestows, favors even upon the ill-deserving. All right, guess what? I don't know everything about you and what's going on in your life. I don't know your upbringing. I don't know what, I don't know any of all that. But I know one thing you're ill deserving. So am I. All of us. We don't deserve it. We're ill deserving of God's favors. It doesn't matter who you are. Even playing field. I don't need to know you from the beginning of your life. You don't need to know me. But I know this we're all ill deserving, and we're all sinners. And we've all offended God. That's the way the world works, okay? So we really have, we better hope that there's some chorus in the heart of God. You know what I mean? Do you really know God, though? I appreciate Matt, 33 years, but he's, he's realizing, like, man, there's parts of God I don't think I really understood. Right? And that's the thing. Do you understand the heart of God, the nature of God? Do you really understand the heart and the nature of God and my thing is I think many of us don't like we should or could and if anything I think we've listened to the messages that the world provides us about who God really is and we're either confused or we're really off base and so th- these are the types of questions that we wanted to deal with in the few minutes we have left again I, like I said I went back to the basics And I thought, where is the first instance of, I think, real, like, deep grace where God does something that's delightful, pleasurable, that's ill-deserving of other people? You know, they don't deserve it. Where can I find that? What's the first instance in the Bible of that? I didn't have to go very far. What does that tell you about the heart and the nature of God? I think that should tell us a lot about the heart and the nature of God. And you know, you know where it goes from there. He starts creating. I mean, woo! it's just amazing. Everything that we take pleasure in, that we see in this world, God made it. And what word keeps coming up after he makes it? It's good, it's good. That which affords pleasure, goodness. Creation is an act of grace. Right? What God created was good, and it it came from his goodness. The the, the goodness in his heart, that's where all the goodness of creation came from. That's the heart of God. Do you really know that God? Do you still believe in that God? Right? And then after all this creating of other things, what's the pinnacle of creation? It's it's mankind. It's people. Let us make mankind in our own image, right? So that they may rule over the sea and the animals. Like, wow, so God went on ZipRecruiter and Monster, and he's like, let me figure out who's qualified to rule over everything in my creation. Let me see who's really qualified. Nobody's qualified. We're ill-deserving of this role. We're ill-deserving of even being created. What are we, who are we to be able to be created by this good God and given this good place to live? That is, that is the heart of God. Do you know that God? Is that a God that you reflect on and think about? Or have you been duped, right? And then not only is it, God blessed them. What did they deserve to be blessed? What did they do to deserve that blessing? Be fruitful, multiply, right? They didn't deserve it, but they got it. Verse 29, God said, you know, I give you all the plants. What, he, God just gives. This is the heart of God. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you whole foods times 10 everywhere you look organic everything it's all yours I give you every green plant and it was so ill-deserving we're ill-deserving of all of that it comes from the goodness of God and so after everything God says you know what he did all that man and it was very good that's beautiful right it was very 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 good so why can't we understand grace better What's so hard to understand? The problem is, this is the problem. We're not strong in the Lord and his power. And we get duped by the enemy's schemes. Simple as that. We've been tricked, we've been bamboozled and hoodwinked into thinking that God is not benevolent. He is not good, and therefore we are not good. And when we do something wrong, we actually are evil, bad, and he, he doesn't deserve to love us. We're undeserving of his love because we blew it. And he should be disappointed in us because we just don't measure up. And I should do something good to get back on his good graces so that he can be happy with me. That's how we live our lives. And that's an absolute lie from Satan. He's a schemer. The devil's a schemer. Am I making that up? No. Did that happen somewhere else in the beginning? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm just checking this out. Oh, God said what? Did he really? Did God really say that? You, that's not going to happen. What God told you is not true. Actually, disobedience leads to enlightenment. That's what, that's what this says. Don't do... Go my direction, and you'll actually have the true knowledge that gives you even more than you realize. You don't need to listen to what God says about life. You don't need to listen to what God says about love, about relationships, about men and women. You don't need to listen to that. Do it my way, and you'll be really enlightened. We listen to stuff like this, and we don't realize it. We start to lose sight of who God really is. And he's no longer that benevolent, good, gracious God. He becomes somebody that's disappointed in us and that we just can never measure up to. And if you do that for 30 years, it's not good. Right? And I don't want that to happen to us. But here's the deal. Like I said, I know in a 25-minute sermon, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to do it. You need to reflect on who God is in your time. You really do. You are getting bombarded with lies about God. Yeah. Bombarded. You cannot leave the, you will leave the parking lot. You will turn your radio on. Within five seconds, you will hear something that is closer to what the enemy is saying than what's really true. I guarantee it. So you are bombarded. So what, And you can't, and please stop reading the Bible for like one little verse, like a verse a day, you know. Ooh, thank you. That's so helpful. And then just think that's good enough, right? He said, like, oh, Jeff, see, you're saying there's a standard. No, let me tell you something. You need, to, you need to read Scripture and read it the way it's supposed to be read. And you're supposed to know the heart of God based on what you read. Don't stop just reading one passage and that's just it. And just think, oh, I did, my, I did my duty. Understand the heart of God. Reflect on the Scriptures. Read it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Spend five minutes just even if it's on two words. Think. How do I understand God more? Stop just settling for this no time with God. Get on your knees. Ask God to transform you from within, to use his word, God's spirit, to change you. These are the things that we need to do to combat the the enemy who's trying to dupe us. And since you need help, I'm going to give you help. Here you go. Here's some passages. (laughs) Write them down, whatever you want to do. Here's a week's worth of passages. I mean, just here's the deal. Just read them. Read it over and over again. And, And just ask yourself, what can I learn about the heart of God? What can I learn about the heart of God? These are passages for you. Just just, just reflect on them so you can understand the heart of God so that you can be more inclined to appreciate his grace and to live in a state where you don't have to feel like God's consistently giving you one of these or one of these for the rest of your life. Because that is not the heart of a good, loving God. Toward you, whom he created in goodness. We might do things that are bad, but it doesn't mean that he hates us and is totally disappointed with us every day. Amen? Amen. Let's say a prayer and we'll take take the Lord's Supper together. Father, I'm grateful to to be able to reflect on how amazing you are and how good you are. I want to be strong in you and in your mighty power, and I don't want to be duped by the enemy's schemes. I want, to, I want to trust in how amazing you are. And Father, we know the deepest expression of your love for us is, how, is what we see in Jesus, that self-sacrificing love. Even though we were ill-deserving, Jesus hung on the cross for us. We're going to take this bread that represents his body, and we will drink of the juice that symbolizes his blood that he shed for us in love, even though we did not deserve it, nor can we earn our way to heaven, Father. Help us to reflect on Jesus, the greatest expression of your grace. We pray in his name. Amen.